the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. He speaks blasphemies against the God of the Bible. He has no regard for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. And he has no regard for Jesus, the Messiah. And so that is all part of the characteristic of the Antichrist. And then last point here from Daniel chapter 11, it talks about there in verse 38 that he will honor a God of fortresses, which says to us that he will hold unilateral power and he will use the military to subdue all of the people in the world. Do you ever wonder if a certain person might be the Antichrist? As you watch them in action, you see the horrendous things that they do and the slimy way they operate. We're going to learn today that there are many Antichrists, but there will be one in the end times who is the Antichrist. In today's message, Pastor Gary is going to go in-depth into the character of the Antichrist because we are given a very clear picture of what he will do, and I, for one, am very, very glad that I won't be around when he shows up. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 13 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. The evangelical church was convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist. And, you know, panzer tanks were pulling up outside their churches and evangelical Christians in the, in the late 1930s were thinking, this is the end times. Hitler is the Antichrist. Mussolini is the false prophet. And they began to, you know, wrap their theology around world events. And it's, it's sometimes dangerous to do that. We have to step back and say, okay, clearly Hitler was an Antichrist, but he wasn't the Antichrist. As horrible as he was, he wasn't the Antichrist. There are other people that historically have been viewed as an antichrist, Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin, the dictator of Russia, was, is known historically as the greatest mass murderer of all time. He killed an estimated 30 million of his own people. So was he antichrist? Well, of course he was. That's demonic. I mean, that's evil. So he's inspired by some satanic influence there. No doubt you're, you're butchering 30 million of your own people. By the way, Joseph Stalin, Joseph Stalin was the one who said, quote, the people who cast the votes don't decide an election. The people who count the votes do. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, friends. I'm just telling you, he's the one who said that. Idi Amin would be seen as an antichrist. The butcher of Uganda. He was called the butcher of Uganda, because again, he butchered many of his own people. So there are a lot of people, when you look historically, that would fit the, the idea of being antichrist 
lowercase a, like John is talking about there in 1 John 2.18. But then there is the Antichrist. There will be one individual who will emerge on the world scene and will end up being a global dictator. Now, interestingly, the word Antichrist does not appear anywhere in the book of Revelation. It only appears in John's other writings. John writes about him four times in 1 John and two times in 2 John, specifically using that word Antichrist. But otherwise, the name Antichrist doesn't even appear anywhere else in the New Testament and doesn't appear once in the book of Revelation. But it's become such a commonly known name that, you know, even people who don't know their Bibles and aren't Christians, when you say the Antichrist, you know, people have some semblance of of knowledge of, oh yeah, it's some evil world leader. And so even though the word Antichrist doesn't appear in the book of Revelation, the word that appears is beast. That's the word that is used for him, and that is the word that is used here in chapter 13, the beast who rises out of the sea. So here are a couple of titles and names for the Antichrist. Again, the word beast is the preferred word that describes the Antichrist in the book of Revelation used 28 times, but his title is also the man of lawlessness, NIV uses that title, or son of perdition, New King James mentions that title in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. He's known as the foolish shepherd in Zechariah 11. We're going to read from Zechariah 11 tonight. And also he's known as the king who exalts himself from Daniel chapter 11. We're going to read that passage as well. In fact, if if you would, just put a place there in Revelation, but go over to your Old Testaments to the book of Daniel, if if you can find it for the moment. If not, if you just want to listen, I'll read it to you. But Daniel chapter 11 where the prophet Daniel writes about the Antichrist and uh, refers to him as the king who exalts himself. And there's some detail in Daniel chapter 11 that I want us to see as we just kind of get an overview of who the Antichrist is and and what he's going to be about, even though we we don't, you know, we can't identify him at this point. Uh, Some people have asked, you know, will, will, will the rapture occur before the emergence of the Antichrist or will we still be here? to see the Antichrist on the world scene. That's an unknown. He could be on the world scene now, but, you know, just has not really emerged, obviously, to prominence. But I'm not sure that we'll even be here by the time that he's, that he's known. But in Daniel chapter 11, uh, Daniel writes about him. I'm just going to read verses 36 to 39. And he says this, Daniel eleven thirty six. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself. So this king is, he's referring to the Antichrist. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods. Right? That's what we just read in, in Revelation 13, 6. Shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. That means the end of the tribulation. For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses, and a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. All right, your attention for a moment. A couple of things just from this passage that are worth pointing out. So we get a a description of the Antichrist in terms of a little bit about 
what he's going to do and who he is. One of the things that mentions there in verse 36 is that he shall speak blasphemies against the God of God. So he will curse the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will curse, he will blaspheme the God of the Bible. He is unashamed in doing that. He's very vocal about it. In fact, back in Revelation 13, verse 6, in the passage we read a moment ago, it says specifically, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And so it just... Vile blasphemies will come out of this guy's mouth. That's one of the characteristics. Another characteristic about him is that he will continue in prominence till, verse 36 says, till the wrath has been accomplished. So he has power until the end of the tribulation. When Christ returns at the end of the tribulation, which culminates in the battle of Armageddon, then Jesus will overthrow the nations that advance against Israel, and he will destroy the Antichrist by the presence of his coming. Now, not annihilate him. He's still going to be judged, but he will end his power when Christ returns. And then it tells us here in Daniel 11, I want you to notice also in verse 37, it says he will have no regard for the God of his fathers. Now, that's an interesting idiom. If you have an an NIV or an ESV version of the Bible, it says he has no regard for the gods, plural, of his fathers. But the Hebrew word is Elohim. Elohim is a word that describes the God of the Bible. Elohim is is a plural word in the Hebrew. It's interesting because, you know, God is a singular God, but he appears in a plurality, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it is not inconsistent for God to be known in the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures as Elohim. Elohim is a plural word because God is singular but reveals himself in a plurality. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the NIV and the ESV translate Elohim literally here in Daniel 11, but New King James settles on what the real context is. And the real context is that the Antichrist will have no regard for the God of his fathers. What does this mean? This is likely an idiom that is a Jewish idiom, meaning that it is likely, this is my personal, I believe this, that I'm not the only one on this, it is likely that the Antichrist may be Jewish but that he will have no regard for the God of his fathers. He will not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like his Jewish heritage would tell him to do. In fact, he blasphemes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that is that could be an idiom there, the, the God of his fathers. He has no regard for the God of his fathers to let us know that, in fact, the Antichrist may be Jewish. That is up for debate. That, that's my personal persuasion, but that's up for debate. Then it also adds there in verse 37 of Daniel 11 that he will also have no regard for the desire of women. Now, I have, you can read some commentaries and some Bible scholars believe that might be a statement that he, in fact, will be a homosexual because he, he will have no desire for women. But when you look at, at Jewish idioms again, rather than it being that... I think that what he's what it's referring to here is the desire of women in in Hebrew scriptures was the Messiah. Every young lady hoped to be the vessel through whom Messiah would come. It just so happened that in God's providence he already selected Mary through whom Messiah should come. But it was the desire of every woman that she should have that privilege of giving birth to the Messiah. So it's a Jewish idiom. He has no regard for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he has no regard for Jesus. 
That's the Antichrist. He speaks blasphemies against the God of the Bible. He has no regard for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. And he has no regard for Jesus, the Messiah. And so that is all part of the characteristic of the Antichrist. And then last point here from Daniel chapter 11, it talks about there in verse 38 that he will honor a God of fortresses, which says to us that he will hold unilateral power and he will use the military to subdue all of the people in the world. Now, how does the Antichrist actually come to world power? I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, but just to give you a preview. In Revelation 17, it tells us that there are 10 horns, and John helps us out in Revelation 17. He goes on to say, and the 10 horns are 10 kings. And it tells us that the 10 kings give their power and authority to the beast. So that's in Revelation 17. We'll get to that a little bit later. But I, I wanted to just give you that preview because, you know, how does the Antichrist all of a sudden come to this global world leader? He will be a global world dictator. How in the world would other countries give their power to one individual? The Bible just says it's going to happen. The Bible speaks about a time that is coming when the globe will be divided into 10 geographical territories, and that each of those 10 territories will have a king. And, you know, you can begin to see a little bit of this when you look at the European Union and, you know, there's the addition and then the disintegration with Brexit and a little bit of all that stuff going on. But you can begin to see how on the basis of perhaps economic necessity, perhaps, I mean, just just look right now at what is happening and how our liberties have been tested, should I say, just because of COVID and how people have decided to resort to different protocols just because government has said, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that, okay? And so you can begin to see that perhaps out of economic necessity, health necessity, there will be things that will drive nations to form confederations, And the Bible just, you know, how is it going to happen? It doesn't spell it out for us, but it just says that there's going to come a time when there will be a 10-nation confederation, 10 geographical territories where all of the nations will be divided into these 10 territories. And in Revelation 17, it says that there's a king of each of these territories. And it tells us, Revelation 17, 13, and they, the 10, will give their power and authority to the beast. They hand over world domination to this one leader. So this one individual is going to be a very, very charismatic, very charming political world leader who will be entrusted with the domination of the world. This is the Antichrist. Now, real quickly, I want to go back to the book of Revelation now, chapter 13, and I want to summarize pretty briefly here these five things about the Antichrist that we see here in Revelation 13, the first 10 verses. The wickedness, the wounding of, the words of, the warfare of, and the worship of the Antichrist. You see, you see these five things in the first 10 verses of chapter 13. I'm just going to run through them pretty quickly here. So the first one is the wickedness. The wickedness of the Antichrist is seen in verse 2. It tells us that the power, throne, and authority all come from the dragon, that is Satan. So Satan is behind the Antichrist. So that's clear. He's wicked because he is a tool of Satan. And then the wounding of. Now, this is interesting. 
In verse 3 here, back in Revelation 13, in verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So what exactly does this mean? Well, back up earlier in this chapter, it talked about how the beast is described as having seven heads, which doesn't mean that he was a monster. What it means is he had authority, and the seven being a number that indicates world power. And it tells us that one of the seven heads receives this wound. So there's a lot of debate about what this actually means here. But when you look at this passage, and if you have a pen or pencil in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write Zechariah 11, verses 15 to 17. Or for you note takers, just write down Zechariah 11, 15 to 17. And you, you can turn there also if you want, or just listen. I'm going to read it. It's one of the tiny books of the Old Testament. And Zechariah 11, when you compare Zechariah 11 with, with Revelation 13, here's best scenario of what may in fact happen to the Antichrist. There will be an assassination attempt on his life. And in fact, it'll be successful to a point because he will be raised from the dead. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but you'll see when we get to the false prophet, the role of the false prophet is to bring life to the Antichrist. So there seems to be a wounding that the Antichrist receives, some kind of an assassination attempt, from which he recovers or is healed miraculously, not God's miraculous power, but counterfeit miracles. You know there is such a thing, right? And when you look at what happens there in Revelation 13 with Zechariah 11, so I'm going to read now Zechariah 11, verses 15 to 17, and this is what it says. Zechariah 11, verse 15. And the Lord said to me, Next, take for yourself the implements of a foolish Shepherd. The word foolish literally translates wicked. This is a reference to the Antichrist. For indeed, I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off, nor seek the young, nor heal those that are broken, nor feed those that still stand, but he will eat the flesh of the fat and tear their hooves in pieces. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. Listen to this. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right eye. His arm shall completely wither, and his right eye shall be totally blinded. Now, when you put that together with Revelation 13, here's the picture that it paints, is that there's probably some kind of assassination attempt against the Antichrist. It wounds him, and when he recovers, he still bears the injuries of his attempted assassination. So when it speaks there in Zechariah 11 about his arm shall completely wither, his, his right eye shall be totally blinded, it could be that he sustains an injury. Let's say it's a gunshot wound. You know, Zechariah uses the term sword. I mean, they didn't have guns back in the day, so is it a literal sword? Is it a gunshot wound? And we know that injury to the right side of the brain causes left side paralysis. So it speaks there of his right eye being totally blinded, and then it talks about his arm shall wither. So that speaks of perhaps atrophy that sets in from an arm that becomes not functioning after a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury. So, you know, we're trying to piece all this together, trying to make sense of it, but one of the things we know is, when you go back to Revelation 13, regardless of whether or not this is an actual assassination attempt, the injury that he sustains is so severe 
that when he's healed from it, when he suddenly recovers to, to some degree, it will be enough that people will worship him. It'll be so fantastic that people will be like, wow, he's a God. And they will actually start to worship him. And that's what it says in the rest of verse 3. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Verse 4, so they worship the dragon. They realize that the power of the Antichrist is from Satan. They start worshiping Satan. And they worship, this is verse 4 still, and they worship the beast. Saying who was like the beast who was able to make war with him. This guy recovers from a mortal injury. And, and so this guy's godlike. And people will actually start to worship him. And we're going to see in a moment that the false prophet starts to point people's attention, fanning the flame of this kind of idolatrous, evil worship of the Antichrist. And then also, just going down my list here, the words of the Antichrist, he speaks proud words, blasphemies against God. We've already talked about that. The warfare of the Antichrist is in verse 7 where it tells us that he was given power to make war against the saints. Now, the saints are referenced to Christians. So believers who get saved, remember, there's a whole you know, slew of Christians who are taken from the earth at the beginning of the tribulation. That's, that's the pre-trib when Christ comes in the clouds, takes the church. But then there will be other people who will be able to get saved during the tribulation period. Those Christians who get saved during the tribulation are also known as, you know, the Bible uses the word saints. You know, we don't, you know, we don't venerate people, um, but we, we recognize that the word saints applies to Christians, to believers. And that the Antichrist will use his power specifically to target Christians. And he will persecute those who accept Jesus during the tribulation. I mean, this is a guy who's already blaspheming the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's blaspheming Jesus. So what do you think he's going to do? Leave Christians alone? No, he's going to persecute them. He's going to go after them. And in verse 8, it tells us that everyone worships him, worships the Antichrist, except those who become believers during the tribulation. They refuse, and for that they will be martyred. So that's the whole picture of the Antichrist. Now in the last like six minutes we have left, let's take a look. Actually, this doesn't take as long, but let's take a look here at verse 11. I'll read down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll quickly talk about the false prophet. And so then he says, I saw another beast. This, the Greek word is alos for another, meaning another of the same kind. So he's, he's cut out of the same material. Another beast coming out, up out of the earth. Now this is interesting. This is not the sea. By the way, when you, when you read references to a body of water in the book of Revelation, it, it almost never refers to a body, a body of water. When the Antichrist emerges from the sea, it really is a picture of emerging from the sea of humanity. Antichrist comes and emerges from among the people. The false prophet emerges coming up out of the earth. It's a picture of he's bringing about a very worldly system. It's a very worldly religious system that he's going to be about here. He comes up out of the earth, and he had two horns, and two is the number for testimony. He says he's like a lamb, he's not a lamb though, and spoke like a dragon. So like a lamb, you know, a lamb is the word that Jesus uses, capital L, more than any other title for himself in the book of Revelation. So the idea of a lamb is it's a religious connotation because lambs were used for the slaughter. So he comes like a lamb, meaning he has religious testimony, but he spoke like a dragon. 
So he speaks with deception because, again, Satan is behind him. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.